Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, a weekly show all about island sport. I'm Tony Kerr and with me today I've got Guernsey Press Sports Editor Rob Batiste. How do? And his colleagues from the sports desk, Gareth Leprevo. Hi Tony. And Jamie Ingrell. Hello. Coming up, it might feel like spring or even summer, but there's plenty of winter action to get through still. We'll be joined by Guernsey men's hockey coach Andy Good to chat about a rather different season on the Astro and what his hopes are for the future. Uh, We'll also be looking ahead to a busy Easter weekend with football, cycling, athletics and motorsport all at the fore. First, though, we've got to start with today's eye-catching back page in the Telegraph. Uh, Gatland plans Channel Islands camp for the Lions is the headline. Uh, Now, if you've been following the build-up to this summer's British and Irish Lions tour to South Africa, uh, you'll know there's been some uncertainty uh, about where it will be played, given the ongoing situation with the pandemic. Uh, At one point, it had been suggested that the tour could be played at home. uh, And on that basis, coach Warren Gatland reportedly spent a week in Jersey recently to explore using the island as their base for the series, making the most of the brand new high performance centre next to Jersey Rugby Club. Now, it has since been confirmed that the series will go ahead in South Africa but according to the Telegraph's chief rugby correspondent Gavin Mayers today uh, the Lions are still considering holding a training camp not just in Jersey but in Guernsey too Uh, it would be pretty remarkable the British and Irish Lions in in Guernsey Rob what do you make of that? Well it's a fantastic story let's hope it happens Um, I can see um, the logic of it we've got fantastic facilities at Footslane we've got St Pierre Park Hotel just up the road and and it's quite the norm for visiting te- rugby teams who stay over, or football teams for that matter, to, to just wander down from St Pierre Park, which is a quarter of a mile up the road. Um, everything's there at um, Foots Lane, high performance gym. It's a bit small for a huge group of rugby players, but I'm sure they can adapt themselves. They've got the, plenty of upper rooms. They've got the, the stand to use to do drills on, running track, perfect running track, and... Uh, a strong element of privacy there as well so I think it's great and um, let's hope it comes off. Yeah clearly there, there will be some logistical issues to sort out if the intention uh, is as Gavin Mayer says there to, to bring the squad to Guernsey for a few days as part of that training camp um, you know it, we're talking a few weeks down the line that exit from lockdown that loosening of restrictions on the borders presumably you know we'll all being well, we'll be moving towards that. But I imagine there'll be some some pretty high-level discussions going on uh, within the states of Guernsey about just how feasible this is. And, and obviously, trying to balance out the, the public health situation with what would be, Gareth, you know, probably one of the most high-profile sporting visits to the island in the history. Probably, Tony, yeah. I mean, it's... Um when, when the news came a, a month or so ago that Jersey might be used, I mean, it was, it was just huge news across the Channel Islands that the British Lions could be sort of heading to these shores. So the fact that Guernsey is now involved in the discussions is massive. I mean, the profile of rugby in Guernsey, I think, has been growing uh, hugely over the last decade or so with the with the success the Raiders have had, stuff like that. But when it comes to the British Irish Lions, it's that's another level. I mean... Rugby fans like myself, we've just spent the whole six nations watching, thinking who who are these players going to be, which of these players we selected for the Lions, and those players could be turning up on our doorstep in a couple of months. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic, and I just think that will help the um, the growth of rugby on the island if it was to come off, and if um, say the school kids maybe get a chance to meet just a few of these guys. Um, I mean, Warren Gatlin's been to Guernsey before. I was lucky enough to meet him on that occasion. And he's just so down to earth. He's a really nice guy. And that's sort of pretty typical of professional rugby people. They, they are very approachable. 
And yeah, if we get these stars coming here, it's only going to be good for the game here. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me just just reading this this report, um, one of the big attractions for Warren Gatland is that his squad would have some freedom to to basically enjoy a beer before the. Uh, before the big matches, which is clearly, yeah, that that bonding element, and I guess with a with a Lions squad where you're you're bringing together players from from the, the different nations, that that's a pretty key thing. I mean, could you imagine Alan Wynne Jones or Mario Toji having a, a few beers at the Jamaica or maybe an afternoon at, in Sark at the Bel Air? You'd imagine, hopefully, by if they come more sort sort of summertime, it perhaps be out on the on the coast somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it'd be they'd be pretty easy to spot people like Alan Wynne Jones because he's about six foot eight or something ridiculous. But um, um, I can't see him in, in certain establishments, but others, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find the doghouse pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, Rob, you know, perhaps going back a few years, we we you know we, you would have been more used to seeing the the very best in in sport coming to the island for yeah to play in football to play local sides. You know, we we saw some very big names. Um, in the past that that's probably a little bit rarer now as obviously as, as sport became more professional more global um, but but uh, you know if it was to happen as an opportunity for for local rugby to take advantage of even for a few days how big an impact could it have well I, I can't envisage um, a situation really with local players um, being involved as such but I should we would have hoped that they might better get a chance to view exactly what is going on down at Futsal Lane um, where the um, training would get, be going on I'm sure Jordan Reynolds would relish the opportunity to um, to mix with the um, visiting British Lions coaches and see the latest techniques and training drills and all that sort of stuff and just just general uh, generally gauge some extra information well look, this is all very new of course and I'm sure you know with, with the tour it there has been a lot of logistical issues. Uh, it's all been up in the air, uh, so to speak. Um, and, but I'm sure they're, they're looking to get things finalised pretty soon because it's not, not that far away now. You can imagine St. Pierre Park, is the, or a thought would be the, the number one hotel they're looking at for this. I mean, they've got all the facilities there. Pools, golf course there, driving range. As I say, it's easy access to town, easy access to the coast. Well, if it comes off, it would surely be... Well, it will surely be one of the highlights of the year, possibly of of many years in uh, you know from a sort of local sporting perspective in terms of high profile visits. But let's get back to to the local stuff uh, and get some highlights of the week. Uh, Jamie, let me start with you because you've been covering a lot over the last week. You've been pretty busy cycling, netball, some motorsport too. Uh, what story has caught your eye this week? Personally, for me, it's been the cycling. Uh, it's a sport which Guernsey has achieved good success at abroad. We've got a number of promising cyclists who have come through the ranks over the years. But um, locally, between the top guys, it can be quite competitive. As it showed last weekend with the start of the road racing season, there's also some great sportsmanship around. James Rowe, one of our premier cyclists at the moment, was unfortunate to come off his bike halfway into the Reservoir Road Race, which was the first such event of the season. But the other Division 1 cyclists waited for him. Let him rejoin them. Uh, three laps later, he outsprinted them and won the race, but not without going to Twitter and paying tribute to those who had helped him. Pretty awesome. I, I, I do like that. You know, he took, took the full benefit of the sportsmanship and then uh, skewered them at the finish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's soft. I can't see it happening in a road race, road running race with somebody tripping over their laces and the others stopping, allowing him to stop. No, did any of the other riders actually tweet anything afterwards saying they wish they hadn't? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, fantastic stuff. Well, yeah, plenty more cycling to come this year. We'll see if that kind of, uh, yeah, if those moments of sportsmanship are, are paid back at any point. Uh, Gareth, what have you got for us this week? Um, last Sunday, um, Amazon's completed what has been an amazing story for them uh, in the Women's Hockey League. They um, Last summer, they were basically on the verge of folding because they'd really struggled to put out a side towards the end of last season. Um, they've managed to regroup and they've done it to such great extent. They won their uh, eighth game of the season, still unbeaten in 10. And um, they, they were crowned champions last Sunday. The, the great thing about it was... Um, Usually when champions win a game to sort of seal the league, there's elation at the final whistle. And there was virtually nothing because most of their side almost didn't believe that they'd won the league. And all you could hear for two or three minutes was, have we actually won the league then or what? And a few people sort of said, yeah, yeah, you can't be caught now. And it just took a nice sort of few minutes for it to dawn on them what they had achieved. But um, no, it's fantastic for them to pull that off. And I think the great thing about Amazons this season is that um, they've been a very good mix of youth and experience but the youth players are really stood up. They've been among their stars this year, and it's great to see that. And we're going to be speaking to Andy Good, of course, in a moment. So we'll speak to him about uh, you know, his thoughts on, on the, the direction that Guernsey Hockey is moving. And, but congratulations to Amazon's uh, an eight-week wait, and they're straight out of the blocks and claiming a title. So they'll be very pleased with that once it's uh, sunk in. Uh, Rob, your highlight this week? Well, it wasn't the first half at Portsmouth last Saturday afternoon. As you well know, it was a bit of a drab affair. It ended up nil-nil after 90 minutes, but the second half picked up. First half was um, pretty poor, to be honest. But, uh, anyway, the, the clear highlight for me was um, popping along to the ex-servicemen's club on Monday evening to see a bit of snooker. Martin Day-Perk was playing in an early match against Scott Bradford in the in the, in the res- resumption of the local Premier League, Premier Division season. And Daper showed his class. He really is a um, very, very, very high-class sportsman. Um, snooker doesn't get the perhaps the recognition it, than some other sports do. It's not an Olympic sport. It's not a Commonwealth Games sport. But when you see when you see how good Martin Daperk is, which and he, poor old Scott Bradford um, was pulverised on, on Monday, um, 3-0 in just over half an hour. Um, you can see how just the, the, the sheer class of the, the, of, of the player. I mean, he racked, he racked up three half-century breaks in no time at all. And he, he moves so wonderfully around the table. He, he's always looking two or three plays ahead. Seldom gets out of position. Fantastic pot of the ball. And he's, he's the nearest thing to a professional, I think we'll see in, in any sport locally. On, on, on our domestic patch. We've seen in Jersey, Aaron Canavan um, really succeeding in that, that master's age group or that, that, that seniors level at, at a world level. Is that something that, that the Guernsey players should be looking to emulate? It, well, they already are. Um, Martin revealed to me afterwards, we had a nice chat and, about his career and he's 38 now. He, he's looking forward to when, two years' time when he and a few of the other local top veterans, shall we say, are going to join forces with the some of the Jersey um, top players and and have a crack at the um, Masters Tour in the UK. So you never know. You never know. Martin could go a long way at that level of competition because he is quality. Thanks for listening to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, then just hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a rating or a review. Uh, it all helps. 
Now, in his playing days, he was one of the outstanding hockey goalkeepers that the island's a habit of producing. Uh, nowadays, he's following in the footsteps of two legends of the local game. David Ray is head of hockey at his alma mater, Elizabeth College, and in the last year, Andy Worley is coach of the Guernsey men's team. Uh, in other words, he has some very big boots to fill. Welcome to the pod, Andy Good. Thank you very much. It's nice to see you, boys. Great to have you here. Uh, how are you finding uh, you know, being back to relative normality and being back you know, at the hockey pitch? Yeah, wonderful to be back. It's, um, it's been difficult this second lockdown, actually. So, yeah, very pleased to be back. Great to see uh, some live sport going on on the island. So, yeah, very pleased to be uh, back to school and, and uh, good to see the kids again. So it's good, yeah. Yeah, and we are still in the midst of the, the hockey season, of course. That, that eight-week stoppage obviously brought everything to a halt. Yeah, uh, yeah how eager has everyone been to, to get back to, to yeah. league action and, and all the rest of the training and stuff that you, yeah, you guys do? We, we've already had um, men's training, um, which was pretty well attended on the first Monday. We had a, a Saturday as well, so we've had two weeks of training back. Um, yeah, they had their first league games over the weekend. Um, yeah, so uh, it's going to continue over the Easter break. Um, so, yeah, great to have the season finished, really. Indies can probably claim that they'll be proper champions rather than, uh, rather than just um, handed the trophy because they've won all their games so far. Yeah, they're flying. And obviously, you know, we, we saw with other sports, cricket last year, you know, feeling the benefit of the unusual situation with, with kind of, you know, everyone who w could be on Ireland, being on Ireland and, and taking part. Likewise in football with, with Guernsey FC not in action, um, you know, th those players or m many of those players dropping into the Premier League and, and, and kind of bolstering that. Has that been the same in hockey? Is it, have you felt the benefit of everyone being you know, well, stuck in Guernsey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we had the, the game over the uh, Christmas holidays against the students who were all, all on Ireland at the time. A lot of them are, are still around. Um, so actually the, the strength of the league at the moment is, is, is really, really high. You know, the, all the teams are calling students back because they're on Ireland and... Um, yeah, the, the standard is, is pretty good at the moment. Yeah, so it's good. And, that, and, and obviously the game against the students was, was a really high quality match. I was going to say, when that first, the whole idea was sort of put forward, yeah. um, it, it sounded great at the time. But then once I was issued with the team sheets, yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? The strength yeah. of yeah. player we got on that student side, if, if given a couple of weeks together to prepare for that yeah. game even more, that would have been a heck yeah, of a game. Well, I think... Ultimately, that was probably their downfall, really, in, in the game's result. That, that you know, we, we, we won the game, uh, that's Guernsey, we, you know, we won the game. But, you know, you know like, that, like you say, a couple of, couple of weeks training and, and certainly they would, have, um, they would have been a lot closer. And also interesting that, that there were a number of boys not available to play for both sides, really, that, that could have... Um, it made it even a, an even stronger game, you know. Yeah, is that a match that you could have put on a few years ago, um, or you know, or is it sort of does it speak to the the strength of the development of, of, of young players in the island at the moment? That yeah, you can you can pit a, a student side against a you know a senior side and have a very competitive match. It's sort of an idea that we've been talking about um, for a while. Um, but obviously the situation being as it was with the travel restrictions and all of that stuff and, and those guys coming home essentially for, from study and staying in Guernsey for a while, it meant that we could put the game on because they would all be here. Um, I think if we tried to do it again, it, you'd get a more of a, you know, it, it, you know, whoever would be here could play sort of thing. So, um, 
you know, it, it would change around, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a good good concept to have that sort of game over a, over a holiday. Um, you know, just mixes it up a bit and, and and actually gives gives us a game as well because we weren't playing in the in the HA Cup this year either. So yeah, it uh, it was a good strong game. From your perspective, it was yeah. your first actual game as Ireland yeah. coach as such. Um, it must have been a bit strange, though, playing against guys who you also coached for college, yeah. whatever, and, and how well they've developed. I mean, yeah. I'll take an example of, sort of Will Thompson, who I always thought looked good for college. Yeah. He now looks outstanding. You well, know, that, that's, that's the next level, isn't it? I mean, players like that, and you could name a whole host of them, um, you know, We've traditionally, I would say, the college in the last four or five years have been pretty strong. I would say we, you know, we haven't lost to Victoria that that often. Um, we we compete well when we go away, you know. So boys like that, and you know, I could list a few others as well that played in the game and, and also didn't play in the game. That um, um, yeah, they they have come on and and. Um, Taken that next step, but that's that's going to England, isn't it? And playing playing university hockey and club hockey in in the UK, that's um, that's really the next stage. And and obviously Will was at Oxford, so uh, they are a, a you know an outstanding hockey side. So you know he he would have left college, you know, um, and gone there and really taken his game to the next level. Did you feel pressure as coach in that game? You don't want to lose your first um, one, do you? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, there was a bit of banter flying around. Um, I, I made a bit of a mistake because those boys were still on our WhatsApp group, and um, <laughs> so I sent out the team sheet on a couple of well, a week or so before the game, and um, rather um, inadvertently sent it to Will Thompson, who um, was obviously playing for the opposition. But so was Morgan Clayton as well, which. Um, yeah, that didn't go down too well. So I was quickly scrabbling around trying to find out how to use WhatsApp to delete them. And uh, yeah, but anyway, it, it it didn't do too much damage, so it's fine. Yeah, you you mentioned the um, you know the the England hockey uh, competition that that you guys would usually be playing in uh, as island men and women. Without that off island competition this year, has it given you guys as a as a setup a, a chance to kind of to, to kind of reassess things and, and kind of you know, refine that motivation to go again? Because obviously this is, you know, Guernsey Hockey's coming off the bat, particularly on the men's side, of, a, of an extraordinarily successful yeah. kind of decade or so. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we still want to enter it for sure. Um, you know, I know that there's going to be some guys around who, who are either just finishing university now or, or um, are staying here for a while, which actually looking at it, for next year makes makes us a bit stronger again than we perhaps would have been you know you look at the 2016 side that won that won the trophy for the last time kind of after that there were a number of guys that sort of through injury or whatever stepped away from the you know people like Andrew LePage who's a really really good player Andy Orford retired um, and 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 a few other guys as well and and that side is kind of sort of disbanded a little bit um yeah so it's good to have these students around that that obviously will fit into our team next year and and give us a good chance i think what do you find about the um the restructuring of of the english hockey sort of knockouts because when we had that successful period the trophy seemed ideal for us because we were getting competitive games um 
but we we were generally winning most of them, which meant we had more games. You know, if you lose the first one, that's it for the season. Whereas now we've had some very bad luck of the draw. I mean, we turned up it was at East Grinstead, yeah. who were supposedly playing their second team, and we had, we were up against some basically prem players. Well, well actually, we we actually got a re a, a re put back into the draw after that because we we kind of mention that to England hockey <laughs> hang on a minute you know um, you know a lot of these guys had played played in the Prem Premiership the week before and scored in the Premiership and a couple of them were cap- one of them was captain and, and you know that's just not in the spirit of the competition where National League Prem sides are, put, are putting their their best players into the effectively Tier 2 competition um, that's how it's structured it's a Tier 1 competition Tier 2 and the Premiership sides, the top, um, you know, the top twelve teams in the country, plus uh, the next sides down. So the the regional Premier sides, so the South Prem, the Midlands Prem, they all play in the Cup um, or Tier One, and then um, sort of below that, which which we fitted into, um, just below sort of regional Premier. Um, we were in tier two and then it, it, all of a sudden this restructure came and, and then it meant that the National League second team sides were then playing in our competition and of course these sides have got big squads, you know, the, you know they can have 20 or so players or 20, 22 players in a squad and some will play on a Saturday and if they don't feature on a Saturday they'll play in the cup on the Sunday and you know, you just can't compete against that um, that kind of level. Um, so yeah, it was a bit unfortunate that they did that really. Yeah. And then and then Reading did the same thing last year. But um, I think England hockey are going to look at it because it's not an ideal situation to have. Uh, you know, that that's what the Tier One Cup is for is for those players to play in that really. Absolutely, and and you know, for, for you guys, as Gareth said getting a tough draw or whatever and, and, and going out having played one game and, and, and perhaps not even feeling like you, you've been you know, dealt a fair hand versus the, the experiences that, that, um, that the team enjoyed you know, in those successful years of, of brilliant days down at Foots Lane. Yeah. Okay, probably uh, you know, quite a few away draws as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great, you know, great day, days on the balcony there. And then those finals at, yeah. um, at Lee Valley, you know, yeah. just fantastic thing to aim for for local players absolutely I mean I've only been involved in one actually which was the last one in 2016 when I first sort of started with Wallace helping you know he um, Andy Graham obviously who's another stalwart of Guernsey hockey you know he, he um, he'd done the sort of management role for a long long time and um, yeah he, he stepped away from it and, and left Wallace really with with um, Sort of himself as the coach, and, and I just, you know, because I'd been working with the schoolboys, said to said to Andy, what you know, I can help if you want, uh, you know, I can just help you out, sort of thing. And he said, yeah, abs- absolutely, you know, you can't do everything as a player, you know. He's involved on the pitch, he's off the pitch, then he's trying to do subs, and you just can't do everything as a player, you know. He he's done it extremely well and managed it brilliantly, you know, from all the success that they've had. Um, with a good team around him, of course, but but um, yeah, I think just seeing it from a different point of view and and being able to help him out, just making subs at the right time, perhaps, and um, you know, kind of sort of helped us through that that 2016 run and eventually to Lee Valley, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it was um, 
yeah, that was a good year. So, um, you know, good to be involved, definitely. Have you set yourself any sort of targets as Ireland men's coach now that you've um, sort of in the top job? No, none really. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get a game would be uh, nice. Yeah, get, well, yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel a bit of a, I don't know really, it's, it's a bit of a, an imposter really because we haven't done anything yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, the training's been, been good. The, the, you know, the boys have been, uh, you know, dead keen to be training and, uh, even though we haven't had any games, we've had, you know, not everyone's been there every single week, but but mostly, you know, they've come, you know, come come training. Uh, fingers crossed, we've got a, an interinsular to look forward to this year. I mean, it's I can't say too much, obviously, because I, I don't know exactly what's happening, but um, it's it's been talked about around the club that potentially that there will be an interinsular this year. Um, so. Obviously, it'd be nice to win that, um, and then again in um, in March next year. So, if we could get two games in in the space of a short you know short period of time against Jersey, I think I think those would be the ultimate short term goals really uh, to prepare for those. It's something I've often mentioned in our in our sports department here is that I always I call hockey sort of the best kept secret in Guernsey sport because yeah. because the the standard of sort of men's and the women's side as well but um, look at the men's league how good the players are for quite a I don't really want to use the word niche sport but it, it's not a mainstream sport but yeah. the quality we have available to us is outstanding yeah. I find yeah. so it does allow you to sort of like tinker or whatever but do stuff which you want to do because you've got players that are able to do it yeah. I, I would look at it a bit sort of deeper than that and actually say well well um a lot of these guys are good games players. They're not. They're not just hockey players. They they've played in school football teams as well. And I, you know, you talked about Dave Ray earlier, and and I remember chatting to him at, at school about, you know, he would always say that you have to have good, you have to have footballers in your hockey team because they're games players, and and that's understanding where to be on the field and. You know, if it's very similar in in structure and that kind of thing, so so, you know, in the old days, I guess, you know, from from the Elizabeth College perspective, a lot of those hockey teams would be the boys that had played football in the first term, yeah. and 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 they pick up a hockey stick, and and Dave and Mike would teach them how to play hockey, and and um, that's where I think really it's come from actually that in Guernsey we we have got a lot of good games players. Um, and then obviously the program of, of um, hockey through the island, you know, both at the school and at at, um, at, at the club, um, you know, that's that's developed hugely now. Um, both boys and girls, you know, with under 14s, under 16s, you know, um, yeah. and then feeding into the league, they're getting lots of hockey. And and then with the the rebranding of the club and the pitch, has just taken us to that that next level but but I think fundamentally if you've got guys that that are strong and fit and understand an 11 aside game um then they can the, the skills can be taught into them um but obviously we we have spent a lot of time at, at the college working on the, on our hockey yeah um and uh yeah as you say it's turned out some pretty pretty useful players over the years yeah and, and yeah clearly there is a you know, such a strong association between 
Elizabeth College and, and Guernsey Hockey. Yeah. How important is the, the work that's been done to, to kind of broaden the, the, the hockey base in the island? And I know um, yeah. Yeah, Dave Ray and Mike Kinder you know, are, are working hard to, to improve the access for, for youngsters from the state yeah. schools to, to the hockey club and, and kind of just familiarise more of the island's children with what goes on there. You know, how important is that to you? Uh, it's, it's, it's hugely important, not, not, just, not just those two, but the, the work that the, the hockey board is doing. Steve, Steve Unenkamp obviously is heavily involved in that, um, you know, on the, ju on the junior side. So, um, yeah, the, the club's aim, I would, I would guess, is, is obviously to make it as broad as possible. Um, you know, we have had this this uh, sort of legacy of hockey at Elizabeth College that has gone on for way more than, you know, even myself and Dave Ray. You know, before that, Robin Roussel was was um, the hockey master at Elizabeth College, and and, and boys were coming through that even then, um, and even before that. You know, I, looking back, I don't really know, but um, it is important that um, the club can get. Um, players from outside, you know, Elizabeth College, and um, you know, you got to look at people like JP, say, who's who's in the island side at the moment, who came came from the grammar school. Um, yeah, he's, if we can uh, introduce more more students from other schools in, into the into the club, it's only going to benefit um, um, the club moving forward for sure. Well, we mentioned before actually um, about Amazon's winning the, the title last weekend and how their team is very much a mix of youth and experience, but actually the young players have almost been the stars of their of their yeah. title winning campaign. So sort of across the board in Guernsey, it's great to see the youngsters getting that chance that early sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, on the ladies' side, Brommers and people like that have you know, putting a lot of work in behind the scenes to make sure these, these youngsters are getting a chance to play in the leagues and and you know that's you know one thing that I I we spoke to to Andy about or I'd spoken to Andy about a while ago was was making sure that you know we we had to move away from this um, thing of of um, just calling up old boys to come back and play because we knew they were strong when they were going to be good but but actually that's not really ultimately long term is it you need to make sure that these these um younger players coming through get the chance otherwise you what's the point in doing a any sort of um junior development so um you know that that's very much where i'm coming from as a school teacher really is i want these young kids to be coming through into our senior teams as much as much as possible you know and so they're getting that experience of playing at that level there was one lovely moment this year when I was watching your um, college side against Colombians, yeah. and for pretty much the whole first half, this, your guys were trying to dribble around uh, Andy Dawson Ball, who, who yeah. for people who don't know, is probably the outstanding defender in yeah. the island for the last ten years. They found and, that out last week <laughs> in, in the OE's game as well. I was going to say at half time, you actually said to them, uh, "That number two over there, that's Andy Dawson Ball. Don't take him on because yeah. you won't win." Well, <laughs> I, I, I had to remind them of that on, on Wednesday as well, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and he's he's played. He was, yeah, it was. It was funny because one of the one of the boys on Wednesday after that said, "Who's who's that number two? And I had to remind him again. Who, you know, I said, "Well, he's played in three national cup finals. You know, um, arguably, I don't know if he did play for the West of England back in the in the old days. But I'm not sure, but 
easily good enough to and and you know has been a, a, a stalwart of Guernsey hockey for a long time and and is still a very fine player so um, yeah it was uh, your best bit of coaching this year yeah, <laughs> don't yeah take on just don't, don't try and dribble around it because <laughs> yeah. you can lose it every time yeah I think Gareth you know what Gareth said before is absolutely right about it being a bit of a, a kind of hidden gem really as a sport because it, it's an amazingly uh, entertaining and, and aesthetic sport at its best yeah. and also the, there is that just that wonderful sense of community and culture at the, the hockey club you know you've you've got multiple games on the same day so kind of people turning up to, to watch the game you know if they're playing they watch the game before they stay and have a beer afterwards yeah, yeah. it's a really good to me it seems like a great kind of model for for other sports to follow in that sense yeah absolutely but I think I think a lot of that comes from the work done getting the, the club to the into the state that it's in now and I know obviously across the water they've been they've been pretty envious of what we've had for the last 10 or so years and you know, uh, fortunately for them, they're in a position where they've got the same thing now. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great environment to play sport. And I, you know, my daughter's six, and I take her along on a Sunday morning now. Just uh, hundreds of kids down there. It's a nice family atmosphere, good environment. Um, you know, they do lots of little coaching games, and and uh, you know, there's hundreds of kids down there. So it's it's just a, a good environment to be in. So. You know, if uh, if there's anyone out there who's who's thinking about it, I'd encourage them to get get down there because it's yeah, it's a great a great environment to be in for a, a youngster. That's the one thing I think the the hockey club itself, um, in the community it is in its own self is great. I think hockey needs a bit of a higher profile in the island for a casual sports fan to wander down on a Saturday. Yeah, sort of absolutely. I, I, th I think you're right. Um, you know, I was, I was actually chatting to um, Steve the other day, you know, about university days and, um, you know, playing in, you know, you pay, you pay a decent sub to play and you're playing on some, somebody's school pitch and there's not a proper changing room and, um, you know, you have to drive another five miles down the road to go to some pub afterwards for a, a bite to eat and then, you know, you just look at what we've got compared to that. It's, it's, there's no comparison. You know, there's very few, even in the games that we've played in the UK, there's very few places we've been that have got a setup like ours. In, in fact, prob probably only the, the top national clubs, national league sides, will have that kind of setup where they've got a clubhouse, a pitch, a stand that, you know, um, I, I, we, we just we're, we're so lucky to have that um, and, and yeah it's, it's the ideal environment for um, kids to come through and play it I've said before yeah it's great and, and yeah, and clearly there, you know, there are lots of people in, in the club who will have their own visions for the future and uh, the direction they want to take things in and, and the efforts they're prepared to go to to kind of make that happen. But, but for you, what, what, you know, what, what do you want to see from, from Guernsey Hockey over the next, say, 10 years? You know, it... There's a pretty good job going on at the moment, actually. Um, you know, with the, the, the Sunday morning minis is, is fantastic. Um, you know, the outlets that... that the kids are getting it with the training, the under 14, under 16, especially on the boys' sides. They're training every week, uh, some supplemented by what we're doing at, at the school as well. You know, there's lots of matches for them to play. Um, but then, and then the link with, between that and getting them into the club sides, and then and then into the island sides. Um, you know, it'd be great to see 
more teams playing against Jersey actually because you know in the back in the old days you'd have six or seven teams I think sort of a team yeah well. a veterans yeah you'd have six games going on in, in over the interinsular weekend and I think we're down to three now men's and ladies so it you know obviously looking at that it would be you know cost cost permitting be great to see all of these um these people who are in the game getting an outlet there but also perhaps setting up that as a junior festival as well maybe it's uh, but that's not really my, my remit so uh, <laughs> I'll leave that to Steve Hewlin Cam. Uh, one thing you did mention to me sort of when you took on the job as Ireland coach was ideally you'd like to see Division 1 extended as well because there's currently sort of yeah. four sides plus the college play in it as well. Yeah. Um, do you, could you sort of envisage that in the sh relatively short well, term or a couple of years maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been slightly kind of, um, you know, there's been a, a bit of an embarrassment of riches in the last year because of all these guys that have been on the island and... And actually, it, it does swell the teams and make them a lot stronger. Um, but obviously, when the time comes, those boys won't be here. And, you know, and especially on the men's side, I'm just talking about the men's side now. Um, you know, and, and the, the, the league will go back to where it was perhaps two years ago. So I think it would be great. Yeah, I think everyone is, is trying to push perhaps to get another team in the league. So every team is then playing every weekend. Um, but then you know it, it all depends on on what, who play you know what players are available really. Yeah. Um, but that would be great, yeah. Well, Andy, yeah, a bit more hockey to play um, this season, and and hopefully an interinsular to look forward to then before too long. Well, if, yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. We, we're desperate to uh, to get another another game in as soon as we can. That's been great to have you on the pod. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you guys again. So thanks for inviting me in. Well, great to have Andy Good on the podcast from Guernsey Hockey. Now, hockey, of course, somewhat synonymous with Easter weekend for some. But let's look ahead to what is going on over the uh, long weekend. Travel restrictions, of course, mean that the, the marquee events we're used to perhaps won't quite feel the same. But the good news, of course, the lifting of on-island measures uh, does mean lots of islanders will be able to take part in Easter sporting events like it's for the first time since 2019. Uh, but let's start with athletics, shall we, Jamie? The Easter Running Festival uh, has been a firm fixture for many years, bringing over top talent from the UK too. Uh, no festival as such this year, but there is a, a sort of mini running double bill to look forward to. Yes, in the absence of the very popular Easter festival, we will still have plenty of runners taking to the roads over the extended weekend. Uh, Good Friday sees a five-kilometre race along the West Coast. On the Monday, we have 10 kilometres from Pembroke to North Beach. Uh, both events are actually oversubscribed. We've had very good interest solely locally, and over 300 have signed up. That's really impressive. Who, who are you expecting to, to figure at the top, and, and you know, will everyone be taking it really seriously? At the sharp end, it could be quite an interesting tactical affair in the five kilometres, seeing that the race will be contested into a straight headwind. I know a lot of runners may have been hoping for a tailwind, but it's a point-to-point -point course. Um, it can go either way. Um, the likes of Will Bodkin, he's been a serial runner over a lot of distances this season. But I'm thinking with the headwinds, it could increase the emphasis on people talking behind each other, going for a fast finish near the end. And yeah, I don't want to predict that or pan out because there are several ways it could go. So no full festival on the running side, but there is a full weekend of cycling. 
So cycling have gone ahead to stage their Easter festival. Um, it's almost a full event. They've scrapped one race. It would normally be four events, but they've got a solid three over weekends. Uh, general classification, events will suit different people. So it'll be an interesting battle for points over weekends. Rob, elsewhere, another big game in the Premier League at Portsmouth. Yeah. How do you see that one going? It is the big one, shall we say. Um, certainly for Rovers at this stage, I think after the results of the last week with St Martins winning a couple of couple of games and catching up, um, Rovers can't really afford, well, they certainly can't afford to lose. They can't really afford to draw. Um, um, it, you know, it promises to be a, a great game. And last time the two sides met down at Portsmouth, Rovers managed to steal steal the points. Saints went went away wondering how. Um, I expect another close game this weekend. Um, it's good to see Sam Hall's back in the um, Rovers team, starting team. I'm sure he'll make a big difference to to the side, and hopefully we'll have a nice um, wind free day, relatively wind free day down at Portsmouth, and we can get a good game of football. The surface was really good last weekend, and um, I'm sure there won't be much in it. I'm sure. And we spoke on Monday's football show, sort of touched on perhaps St Martin's lack of goals. They, they banged in seven last night, Gareth. I think I put the mockers on myself there. <laughs> um, yeah, they, um, they were very good against Valbrecht. I mean, Valbrecht were under strength. Um, they were missing quite a few players. But um, Saints, have I've seen them all three times since we've come back from the resumption after lockdown. And they've got better and better and better. Um, Fraser McGuinness's opening goal against Valbrecht was... Absolutely brilliant, to be fair. Even had um, Pete Blondel, the Velrec legend, saying how well he had taken that goal. Even he was amazing. <laughs> Even he was uh, very praiseworthy of it. Um, but yeah, Saints were just pretty relentless. Um, what would have really annoyed them, I think, right at the end was um, Velrec getting a consolation because after after about their third goal, all you could hear was Chris Lanuri shouting at his troops, saying, "Right, clean sheet, boys, clean sheet," and that and. Uh, it, it took a very good goal to to um, score for Wreck, but yeah, um, I must admit I think Saints have got a, a heck of a lot of momentum going to Portsmouth this weekend. Yeah, so as you say, uh, big game at Portsmouth. Uh, St Martin's uh, travelling to Rovers. Gareth York, Bell's Manza. Uh, there's a couple of other games as well. Sylvans are up in Alderney and Rangers host North in the Premier League. Uh, we've also got uh, the first hill climb of the season on Easter Monday. Uh, what are we looking out for from that one? Just an, uh, an early season kind of feeler? Yeah, I'm sure it, it, it will be very much that. Um, they're hoping for dry roads, which I think they're likely to get. It's going to be pretty chilly, so I think it won't be a warm, warm hill, so I wouldn't expect too many fast tyres. It'd be a good indicator about where the likes of um, Nick Saunders will be this season. He's still our number one driver. He's the fastest man on the hill, has been for the last couple of years since um, yeah, since um, Darren Warwick um, decided to uh, move on. Um, it's going to be a long season of hill climb, many and many events. Um, and It's a shame there's just no national hill climb to, to, to highlight it all, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of good racing over the course of summer. Well, thanks, guys. Plenty to look forward to this weekend in the circumstances. Let's hope the weather plays ball. Uh, stay on top of all the latest sports uh, across the Easter weekend on Twitter, at GSY Press Sport. And uh, do follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, we're at GSY Press Sport on there too. And of course, you'll uh, always find all the best local sports coverage in the paper. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>